0: Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilley and Jan Fram with you for The Briefing. And in this episode, you're going to meet the 23-year-old university student, Cherish Coolman, who has one hell of a story, Jan.
1: Yeah, so she was part of a group of people, around 30 people, who marched on the Reserve Bank in Sydney to protest the cost of living, right? Her story gets really interesting because of what happened next.
2: I hear a loud bang on the door not sure what it is. I go to look. The peephole on my door is covered. I can't see who it is, uh, but you can guess by the loud bang. I open the door and they say, you're under arrest for trespassing. There's about five or six police officers there. Wow.
1: Yeah, a very dramatic arrest for Cherish Coleman. She was charged with a single count of unlawful entry. Now, She plans to plead not guilty. She's got a sentencing hearing later this year. But get this, if she's convicted, she could face a fine of up to $5,500, which for a 23-year-old university student is quite a lot of money. Feels like a deterrent, but you're going to hear a little bit later that it's had the complete opposite effect on her.
0: Wow, interesting story. I think a lot of people would love to protest at the Reserve Bank right now, given what's been going on. So really interesting to hear her story. You'll get that full Uh, interview in just a moment. First, here are today's headlines. It is Friday the 10th of March.
1: Well, we're starting with some defence news and the federal government is expected to announce that we are buying up to five nuclear submarines from the United States as part, or rather as a ramping up of our deal with our AUKUS partners.
0: Clearly, these submarines will have the capability to operate at war, but the true intent of this capability is to provide for the stability and for the peace of our region.
1: Uh, That's Acting PM Richard Marles speaking there. So the details of this deal are yet to be announced. They're going to be announced next week when Anthony Albanese meets with, as I said, our AUKUS partners. Um, That's the US President Joe Biden and the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. That's happening on Monday in the US.
0: Yeah, so we've been hearing a lot about nuclear submarines since this AUKUS partnership was announced by Scott Morrison in in September 2021. Um, What we're learning now are the finer details, that basically we're going to get three or four or five submarines from the US, but they're going to take until next decade to actually be built, which is a stopgap measure for the UK-designed submarines, which are going to take even longer. So it's a very long-range purchase of these nuclear submarines, and the whole thing's expected to cost about $170 billion. Wow,
1: that's a lot of cookies.
0: And Hillsong has been accused of money laundering and tax evasion by independent MP Andrew Wilkie under parliamentary privilege. So yesterday, Andrew Wilkie stood up in the parliament with a pile of folders full of leaked documents from Hillsong, which he claims show the megachurch earned $80 million more than it publicly declared, and that it detailed enormous spending on private jets, overseas holidays and luxury goods by Brian and Bobby Houston, the founders of Hillsong. Hillsong followers
2: believe that the money they put in the poor box goes to the poor. But these documents show how that money is actually used to do the kind of shopping that would embarrass a Kardashian.
0: So Andrew Wilkie singled out a trip to Cancun, Mexico by the Houston family in 2021, when a lot of Australians were in lockdown, where they allegedly spent $150,000 of church money over three days. He also said they spent $179,000 on private jets over just a three-month period. These
2: documents... Show former leader Brian Houston treating private jets like Ubers. Private
1: jets like Ubers. Wow. Now, the thing with this is that um, Andrew Wilkie said that he also provided these leaked documents and records to three separate organisations. They were the Australian Tax Office, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission and the Charities Commission, um, and he says that they've not been acted on at all. Um, songs also responded to this. So they've said that the claims made by Andrew Wilkie are out of context. And um, they said that they relate to these allegations that were untested that were made by an employee in an ongoing legal case. So that's been their response.
0: Yeah. They also said that in many respects, these allegations are wrong. So this is a, a massive bombshell from Andrew Wilkie. Not only... Um makes allegations against the Houstons, who are the previous most senior pastors of Hillsong, but also made allegations of lavish spending by the new leader, um, Phil Dooley, who's supposed to be um, guiding the organisation through a transition. So really interesting stuff there. I think there'll be more to come on this story.
1: Closing arguments have begun in the trial of ultra-Orthodox Jewish school principal Malka Leifer. Yesterday, the jury was told that Leifer used her position of power to sexually exploit teenage students. Um, the 56-year-old is facing 27 charges over the alleged abuse of three sisters. This was between 2003 and 2007. Um, she has pled not
0: guilty. And the Northern Territory has seen a major drop in crime since the new alcohol restrictions were put in place. That's according to leaked police figures. In Alice Springs, there has been a 45% drop in unlawful entries and a 30% drop in domestic and youth disturbances.
1: We've got to be realistic. It's a very short period that we've collected this data. These alcohol restrictions only came into place at the end of January and the statistics are at February compared to January.
0: That was the assistant police commissioner in the Northern Territory, Martin Dole there. So these were the alcohol bans that were reimposed after they were relaxed in July last year, which is seen to be a big part of the reason why crime was skyrocketing in that town um, throughout last year.
1: Yeah, I have seen some experts saying that we should take these figures with a pinch of salt. I mean, um, you know, we heard the assistant police commissioner there saying, we've got to be realistic, this was uh, collected over a short period of time. But uh, one of the experts that I saw sort of comment on this was saying that, in line with school holidays, there tends to be a spike in crime over December, January, and then school returns and the crime rate drops. So it um, seemed to be indicating that there were perhaps some other factors mm. in play as well, not just alcohol. It's also important to note, you know, this has been a document leaked. Um, well, we don't know where the leak has come from, but it's it's police data uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know that the police, well, certainly the Northern Territory Deputy Commissioner has said that he'd like to see more alcohol restrictions in place as well. So I think, I think we need to give this one a little bit more time to see exactly how it plays out.
0: All right, Jan, you're about to bring us this fascinating interview about the young woman who protested the RBA right after this message.
1: Like most of us, Cherish Coleman is concerned. Well, if I'm being honest, she's pissed off about the rising cost of living, rising interest rates and rising bank profits. Unlike most of us, though, she takes to the streets over these issues. She gets out there, protesting outside the banks with signs and chants, all the usual fare. Except what happened to Cherish after one particular protest was anything but usual. She's with me now, so
2: let's get into it. So my name's Cherish Coleman. I'm a university student at the University of New South Wales and I'm the Student Representative Council Education Officer.
1: And why are we talking to you today, Cherish?
2: Because I was arrested for protesting the housing crisis in Sydney. When you say
1: protesting, talk us through the protest. What was that day like? How did it unfold? What did you do?
2: So on February 17th, university students and myself across Sydney had organized a protest against the 5.5 billion you know half year record profits that the Commonwealth Bank of Australia was posting as well as the interest rates of the Reserve Bank of Australia that are directly leading to mortgages increasing as well as rents and I think students are very much acutely feeling the effects of the housing crisis right now friends are having to couch surf with me people are lining up in, you know, with hundreds of others to look at a mouldy, damp, expensive rental and others, you know, with full-time incomes are threatened with homelessness. So we went to protest this, uh, disrupt the city. Students have always had a role in protesting throughout history and drawing attention to issues in society. So we protested at the Commonwealth Bank and then we protested outside of the Reserve Bank of Australia, ending at uh, New South Wales Parliament. The police spoke to me at the protest and let me go, said I wasn't being detained. But then they showed up in the middle of the night, banging on my door and dragged me to the police station where they held me in custody for four hours and charged me with aggravated trespassing because I apparently stopped the floor business to the Reserve Bank of Australia by protesting out the front.
1: Before we get to your arrest, the protests that happened outside the Reserve Bank, how many of you were there and how did the protests unfold? What exactly happened?
2: So there were 30 of us. We started at the bottom of Martin Place. We marched up to the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. We marched inside of the Commonwealth Bank, uh, you know, chanting, having speeches about how students are being affected by the cost of living. Meanwhile, there's record profits for banks and corporations. And then we marched up Martin Place to the Reserve Bank of Australia. And we were outside on the, the front kind of sidewalk and, yeah, had speeches and chanting. Pretty normal stock standard protest, if I'm honest.
1: Okay. And then you all dispersed after you were done. You said that the police said that you were doing nothing wrong at the protest. Then something happened. It's the middle of the night. What happens?
2: Yeah. So we dispersed from the protest. I complied with police. Um, They let me go, said I wasn't being detained. I'm in bed. It's midnight. I'm in my pyjamas and I hear a loud bang on the door I'm not sure what it is. I go to look. The peephole on my door is covered. Uh, I can't see who it is, uh, but you can guess by the loud bang. I open the door and they say, you're under arrest for trespassing. There's about five or six police officers there. They say, do you know why? Do you know why you're under arrest? Um, And I said, I spoke to a police officer earlier, uh, you know. So they take me to the police station and they put me in a cell like I'm some criminal (laughs) or threat to society and they charged me with a fine-only offence. My offence is serious, but it carries $5,500 fine. They could have sent me a letter in the mail. So they chose to come to my home in the middle of the night. And then not only that, but they imposed strict bail conditions on me where I wasn't allowed to enter two kilometres within Sydney Town Hall. They did not give me reasons for these bail conditions, but they purposely used them to stop me from attending and organising future protests in the city.
1: Okay, so this happens to you in the middle of the night. Was it the night of the protest or was it a few days after you were protesting?
2: So it was about six hours after the protest. And did
1: they explain what it is that you were being arrested for and what exactly was going through your mind when you opened the door and find a handful
2: of police officers outside? When they uh, told me I was under arrest, I was a bit in disbelief and shock. I I thought, this is ridiculous. You know, I've done nothing wrong. I was a bit in shock, so, you know, didn't kick up much of a fuss uh, until I was at the police station and when they tried to impose bail conditions on me. But I'm mostly angry, you know. I think the effect they wanted was to intimidate me into silence and to scare me as to not you know, attend or organise any future protests. But instead, it's only made me more determined to keep up the fight, you know, against the rich and powerful and the people who are responsible for this crisis right now.
1: Because you had your bail conditions thrown out. I think the judge found that they were too harsh uh, and essentially canned them. What does that mean for you and what you're allowed to do and what the next step is in this process?
2: So last Wednesday, um, I went to court And they queried the police, you know, where is the document with reasons for bail? They didn't provide that. They're legally meant to. They queried why they've imposed bail restrictions on a fine-only offence. And they asked, you know, what were the reasons for the conditions? And the police prosecutor said, it's because I want to attend a protest organized by the National Union of Students in two days' time. So it was a climate protest. And the magistrate said, who cares what she does in her free time? Like, protesting is not an offence. This is a key thing. Like, protesting is a democratic right. And what kind of power do students have? You know, we don't have any money. We don't have any institutional power. What power do we have if we don't get out and protest and, you know, disrupt things and cause attention to issues that matter? So they've explicitly said they didn't want me to continue protesting. But the conditions, thankfully, have been deleted entirely. And now I am allowed to enter two kilometres within the city freely and I can attend and organise protests freely, which I've been doing since.
1: Okay, when you look back at this saga, I mean, it only happened a few weeks ago, really, but you've had a little bit of distance between then and now. What do you sort of take away from it?
2: Well, I take away the fact that the Right to protest, and, you know, our civil liberties are never guaranteed. There's been an increasing attack on the right to protest over the past year, you know, with climate protesters being threatened with jail and being put into solitary confinement for simply fighting for the planet. So you've got a situation where, like, ordinary people are being screwed over by interest rates, cost of living, the climate crisis. Meanwhile, record profits are being reported for corporations, you know, like Coles, the banks, Woolworths, NAB. This situation cannot go on. We need the right to protest to get out and say, actually, you should implement price controls. You should implement rent freezes. There should be, you know, more rights for tenants uh, and students. There should be more public housing. This is how things have always been won throughout history and Australia's got a long history of that. So this whole thing has taught me, actually, you have to keep up the fight, um, not only to fight for more, in this world, but actually to even defend the rights we already have.
1: And so you're going to continue protesting. This hasn't deterred you. Getting a knock on your door, uh, opening it up to five or so police officers telling you you're under arrest, spending a night or spending at least several hours in a cell, having strict bowel conditions imposed and then thrown out, none of it's deterred you?
2: No, not at all. Um, you know, I think the New South Wales police messed with the wrong person. <laughs> personally, because I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep up the fight against, you know, for for student housing, for the climate crisis, all of these things. It's part of my role as someone who's in the student union to do that. And we've actually organized a protest next Friday for the housing crisis in the the CBD, um, which is like a campaign I'm running called Get A Room, Students for Affordable Housing through the National Union of Students. So yeah, My next court date is October 27th, where I've pled not guilty. So hopefully those charges get thrown out, but it's not going to deter me.
1: Cherish Coleman, there, university student protester. And very interesting to see that um, this experience has not deterred her at all. I imagine for some other people it would. She seems a lot more determined. Not sure if that's what the police had in mind. I won't speculate on that. But here we are. All right, that is it from us for our Monday to Friday show. Jam Jamila is back tomorrow for the weekend briefing, chatting with Linda Mariano, who you might remember from Triple J back in the days. Um, she has Italian, Malaysian, Chinese heritage, and together she and Jam unpack a lot of that upbringing and culture and talk about Linda's love of music which seems to just run through her veins it's a really really great chat I think you're really going to love it in the meantime thank you so much to our producers and the very hard-working team behind the microphones here in the briefing catch you next
2: week listener.